I'm sorry, I know somebody I think wanted to sing in the garden over here, and I apologize. We couldn't get to all of those songs. And if you'll indulge me for just a moment, uh, my mother-in-law, Nancy, was not able to log in and watch online this morning, so she's FaceTiming me right now. Everybody tell her hello. And pray for her because she's getting a close-up look of her son-in-law. And giving her reason again to question her daughter's wisdom. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, oh, poinsettias. If you want a poinsettia, today is your day. These are available for you after the service, but you need to get them today because come Tuesday when we, de- when we take down decorations, these will go away. So if you want poinsettias, come pick them up. And nobody's going to check and see if, you know, it's associated with you in any way. If you pick it up and take it out, it's yours. That's right. How's that, Linda? Does that cover it? She gave me a thumbs up. Wow. Somebody said I got it right this morning, and Linda gave me a thumbs up. I'm good. All right. And my mother-in-law is still on, so that's even better. Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 13, in the time that we have. As we come back to our series, The Doctor Has Good News, I do so because I believe. This is a wonderful text for us on the cusp of this new year. As we think about who we ought to be and what we ought to be doing, and I know that many people focus on New Year's resolutions that you may or may not keep, and I'm not getting into that. There is something that ought to be a priority in all of our lives, and that is prayer. We looked previously, before we stopped and went into the Thanksgiving and Advent season, where Jesus teaches how to pray and gives us what we refer to as the Lord's Prayer. Luke gives us an abbreviated version of it. We have the fuller version in Matthew. But even so, having given us that prayer, he now goes on to give them particular instruction with with regard to the way in which we ought to pray. So let's look together. Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 13, reminding you that this is the word of God. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children... Are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence or his persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so we bless the Lord for his word and thank him as we 
Again, acknowledge the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached to you. Amen. How are you spending your time? How many of you have been asked that question? I remember in class when one particular student said he had been too busy to do his homework over the weekend. And, and as I was watching this take place in this particular class, and it being my friend who was sitting not too far from me, was the one who had said he was too busy to get his homework done. The teacher asked, well, how did you spend your time over the weekend? I won't give you his answer. The teacher did not give him an excuse, and uh, he learned a valuable lesson, as others of us did watching. But how do you spend your time? As we look at this new year coming up, we're mindful, of course, that a whole year lies before us that Jesus tarries. And I pray more earnestly than ever that he does not. I would love for him to return. But even so, we have what appears to be a year ahead of us. What should be our priority and how should we spend our time? What we learn is that uh, prayer, of course, should be a priority in the life of a believer. Jesus, after all, takes a significant amount of time to teach on this. When asked by a disciple, or rather when it was requested of him, if he would teach them how to pray, he actually takes the time to do that, which tells us that we need instruction in the matter. There are those in the world today who would say that you don't need to be instructed in prayer, just do it. But if Jesus is our teacher and our guide, he begs to differ, and so we should listen to what he says. He makes clear that we need to pray and that we need instruction in prayer. As a Puritan has said that I've quoted before, and I've long forgotten which one it was who said it, the one who lives without prayer in this life lives without God in this life. There are few things that demonstrate that you truly have faith than that you are a person of prayer. After all, you have to believe that God exists, that he's there, that he really is there, even though he is invisible to our physical eyes. In prayer, we're acknowledging he is there. Lord, I do believe in you. Not only do I believe in you, but I'm talking to you right now as I praise your name and acknowledge you and, and adore your name. That's one of the ways that we express that our faith is genuine and not just some intellectual assent. Like, you know, God can be there in the, in the same way that Pluto was out there in our solar system somewhere. I can't see it. I've never touched it. I haven't been there. But I know it's there because smart people and strong telescopes, powerful ones, demonstrate that it's there. But prayer is our way of acknowledging, Lord, I do believe in you. You are a part of my life. After all, what kind of relationship could you have with someone if you only every once in a while looked in their direction and never talked to them? What kind of relationship could you have with a spouse or a child or a family member or anyone else if you... If you never spoke to them, God has spoken to us through his word. He has communicated to us most perfectly through the person of his son, the word that has become flesh, as we've acknowledged in this Advent season. And he, having spoken to us, having communicated himself to us, asks of us to speak to him. Note how the Lord Jesus is our example, as we've already seen when we were in Luke chapter 5, verses 15 through 16. As Jesus was beginning to experience what we might call fame, as word about him was spreading abroad, 
and how even more the report about him went abroad. And great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. He went off to be by himself to pray in private. The point is this. If the sinless, perfect, holy, righteous Son of God needed to withdraw to a private place to pray, you can bet that we do. We must be a people of prayer. It is a way in which we acknowledge our need of God and place our dependence on Him. But there's always that nagging temptation toward autonomy, isn't there? You know, I want to fix this. I want to be the one who's able to bring about the remedy. Yet in prayer we're acknowledging, I am not God. He is. And I need Him. Yes, indeed, one of his disciples, other disciples at other times said, Lord, teach us to pray. And so he gave instruction. We use the Lord's Prayer in worship services on Sunday mornings because it is a pattern for us to follow, not just on Sunday, but all the time, to take seriously how the Lord teaches and instructs us so that as we go about praying, we go about doing it in the right way. And we do it in a persistent way. So, prayer is our lifeline. Our lifeline for requesting genuine needs agreeable to God's will. It's important to get those things together. As we look at this, and by the way, in the parentheses, when it says 5 through 6, that's referring to verses 5 and 6 in Luke chapter 11. We see this demonstrated when he asks the question, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves? For what reason? Because he has company, has guests in his house who need to eat. He doesn't have enough to feed them. So right off the bat, this is not a trivial matter. You know, this is not the neighbor going next door and saying, you know, hey, uh, Florida State needs help in this game. Not to diminish those types of prayers, as I've made three-fourths of you very angry at me right now. (laughs) Or other things. Lord, I'd like a blue car instead of a... Instead of a green one. Uh, The types of things that can sometimes seemingly press in on us that seem all important. I was having a moment like that just yesterday. Thinking about some matters. And then a headline popped up on my phone as I was looking. And I saw where where over a hundred Christians were killed, were murdered in Nigeria on Christmas Day by jihadists. You know, suddenly... That thing that I thought was so important became very trivial. So when we think about prayer, we need to think in terms of needs, not mere wants. And I believe that's in view here. When this neighbor goes to the other neighbor in this hypothetical situation, there's a real need there and not a trivial one. People need to eat. They would be hungry without food. And so it's a reminder to us that while the needs need to be genuine, that we take everything to the Lord. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 is a good guide for us. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. As someone has paraphrased this, worry about nothing. Pray about everything. So we take everything to the Lord in the sense that, not that we prioritize the trivial. We prioritize the things that are truly needful. But we take them to the Lord because we believe he is. 
and that he answers our prayers, even when the answer is no. Prayer is a means by which we not only are living out our faith, it's a means by which we grow in our faith. And there are a few times that we grow more than when we're able to accept the answer of no to the thing that we've asked for and yet continue to believe and trust and love the Lord and acknowledge, not my will, but yours be done. Psalm 62, verse 8, enjoins us to trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. So in this teaching of praying and continuing to pray and continuing to ask and to persist in prayer, we realize it's not a one and done. When somebody asks, have you prayed? Well, yeah, I did that last week, last month, yesterday, an hour ago. Our answer should be, yes, I prayed and I continue to pray. So when praying for true needs, and again, remember that phrase, which is tacked on to our shorter catechism as well as the larger one, that we pray for things in accordance with God's will. Remember, God cannot act in a way that is contrary to his character. He's not going to grant something to us that would be sinful for us or that would otherwise result in our being led away from him. God acts in a way that is consistent with his attributes and his character. So in harmony with his will, we pray for true needs, but we can do it boldly. And as Jesus teaches in this passage, to keep on asking to keep on seeking and to continue knocking, verses 9 and 10. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 17, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. So cultivating a life of prayer, not just moments when we pray, but a life of prayer where we strive continually to be in communication with God is absolutely an urgent need. Think about this coming new year and how you might be seeking to grow in your faith. And certainly we need to read scripture. That ought to be a priority. After all, if we're going to pray in accordance with God's will, we need to know what that revealed will is. And and we need scripture in order to know. So the two things go together, the word and prayer. And as we immerse ourselves in scripture to seek to cultivate a life of prayer so that we are every day and in every way engaging in communication with him. Think about Brother Lawrence, the monk years ago working in the monastery. You know, he didn't have a lot of time that he could pull off to himself and pray. He was having to work a lot, and the clatter and clanging of dishes and pots and pans rattled throughout the kitchen where he was working. But he he labored in what seems like a menial task to pray to the Lord even in those times, and especially in those times. Now, there's nothing like being still and knowing that he's God. There's nothing like withdrawing to a deserted place or a closet to pray. Jesus enjoins us to do that. But we need to cultivate a life of prayer so that if we're going to persist in it, we're persisting in that we are continuing to ask, continuing to seek, continuing to knock with the assurance that not only he hears us, but the way will be open before us, as this uh, example would have us believe. You know, the neighbor ends up relenting. Sure, I'll give you what you want. 
He's aggravated, at least by inference we, we gain. You know, he's been disturbed in the middle of the night. I just want you to go away and go home so I can go back to bed. Here's what you want. God, of course, is not put off when we come to him in prayer. Jesus is not teaching us about the character of the Father in this account. He's teaching us about the value of persisting in prayer. So if a neighbor, out of aggravation, would grant a request, how much more a heavenly Father who wants us to come into his presence and loves us, not aggravated with us, will give us what we need. One of my best friends from growing up had a granddaughter born just in the last couple of months. And, you know, he sent me a picture that his wife took of him holding this this little granddaughter. And I messaged back to him. I said, just go ahead and give her everything she wants now and it'll save you a lot of trouble later. Because you know? <laughs> she clearly already has him wrapped around her tiny little finger. Just like our grandsons do in our case. You know, come up wanting something and, you know, out of love, you delight in giving good things to children, to grandchildren. Our Father loves us. Yeah, Jesus is not teaching that he gets aggravated with us and says, all right, here. No, he gives because of love. And so we can pray boldly and confidently, knowing that he is our loving Heavenly Father, not an annoyed neighbor, but a loving Heavenly Father. And not only can we pray boldly because we know the, the nature of the Father and that He loves us, but He has loved us so much He has given His only Son for us, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our atoning sacrifice for sins, the means by which we're reconciled to Him and by which we're able to call Him Father. Don't ever forget that. We're able to call Him Father because of what Christ has done for us, because He has come to be one of us. Because he yielded up his life as a sacrifice for sin. And thus we have a father. But we're able to come boldly into his presence. Hebrews 4. And of course the book of Hebrews tells us so much about the intercessory work of Christ. And how he mediates for us. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. That we may receive mercy. And find grace to help in time of need. I remember one time being with a with a friend, and we had a particular thing. And I'm going to rush through this because time's drawing to a close. But we, uh, you know, we had a, a real need. We we had a, needed a part for a car that he was driving, and so we go to the auto parts place, and he goes up in front of everybody. There was a line there, and he goes all the way up to the counter, and uh, I said, "What are you doing? You're going to get us shot." <laughs> You know, justifiable homicide is still a defense in the mountains. And uh, he, he just goes right on up there. Well, little did I know that his uncle worked there. You know, and his uncle came out and he said, hey, what do you need? He told him what he needed, went and got in there. All these people back there, you know, are watching this. And I still think we're going to get shot. <laughs> but it made all the difference in the world. Had I gone up to the front of the counter, it would have been a whole different matter. A man would have come out and looked at me and said, get in line. But the beloved nephew came up, and suddenly we had the part we needed. Paid for it later. The Father loves us. We have a relationship with him. We can come into his presence confidently, not because he's blessed to have us there, you know, like I'm the greatest gift that 
he's ever received. It has nothing to do with who I am. It has everything to do with who I am in his son, the Lord Jesus. I'm in Christ. Therefore, I have access. So boldly, yet humbly, right? Because that boldness doesn't result or isn't the result of God being so impressed with me. It has everything to do with his love for his son. And my being in Christ means I have this access. 1 John 5.14 And this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Do you see that? According to his will. He's not a genie in a bottle waiting to grant us whatever wish we ask for. I've said it before. I got this from somebody years ago, and so I don't want you to give me credit for it, but you can take it home with you. Can you imagine the utter chaos that would result in this world if God suddenly began to answer every prayer in the affirmative, regardless of whether it was in accordance with his word or not? Can you imagine? We can't. It's a good thing that he's revealed his will. And it's a good thing that he only acts according to his will. Yes, there are times when I wish he would take into consideration my wisdom on particular matters. But like a little child who has to learn that Father knows best, I by faith have to surrender myself to him and say, Your will be done, but I still can come boldly and ask. You have not because you ask not. Or you ask amiss, that is, in a way that's not in accordance with his will. John sixteen twenty seven, For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me, the Lord Jesus says, and have believed that I came from God. So God's love poured out upon us because of his Son. So in summarizing all of this, and that's all I've done essentially, in this matter of persisting in prayer and believing that God will give us good things, you see the very apt descriptions there. You don't need them explained to you. If you ask for a fish, he's not going to give a serpent. If you ask for an egg, he's not going to give you a scorpion. There are other manuscripts that say if you ask for bread, he's not going to give you a stone. Same principle and concept. The Father loves us and delights to give good things, and particularly as this relates to and has to do with the giving of the Holy Spirit that means by which we are united to Christ and his work on the cross is applied to me as we seek to know him and want the Holy Spirit in our lives to work and sanctify us daily even as we have trusted in Christ. He's not going to turn us away. That's an extraordinary thing. I'm sorry. Come back tomorrow. I tried to make a reservation at a restaurant just recently, you know, and. They didn't have the time available that I wanted. I can't believe they weren't there at the desk just waiting for me to call so they could fill up that time slot with my name. They dared to put other people there. Our Father will never give you a busy signal. Now, the answer, as I've said, may be a no. But it's not because of a failure on his part to love you. It's not because he's, uh, he's done all he's going to do that day. Because he loves us and he has a better plan for our lives than what we possibly can imagine. But I want to go back to my point to close this out. 
as I'm already over time, to simply say, what better way could you spend your time than to seek the Father in prayer? And I want you to think about this as I contemplated early this morning and the thought came to me. One second spent in prayer is worth more than a lifetime of vainly seeking to do good without him. How could I say that? I think about three crosses on a hill called Calvary. And I think about how three men were affixed to those crosses and were dying. And on the middle cross was one who clearly demonstrated that he was more than mere man. The two on the outside crosses, malefactors, thieves, criminals, perhaps justifiably being put to death at that moment, but nevertheless, they're not innocent. Cursing him because that's what the natural inclination of humanity does toward someone who is altogether holy and righteous. That's the natural reaction. They were simply joining in with the crowd. And yet one of them, one of them had a change of heart. And in repentance, after looking at this one who was suffering horribly, who already had been beaten before he was nailed to that instrument of death, with that crown of thorns crushed upon his brow and with a sign placed over his head mockingly, declaring him to be king of the Jews, somehow this man in repentance perceived. Perhaps it was because even as Jesus was was unjustly being subjected to this torture and horrible death, looked out upon the crowd and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Perhaps it was because of those utterances. We don't know how much knowledge he had of Jesus, but compared to what we now have because of the completed word of God, he knew very little. And yet he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That's all he said. How many seconds did it take to utter that prayer? You know, I can picture in eternity, perhaps, some judgment scene when many a man and woman who has sought to live a good life, perhaps religious, being mindful that in the crowd that day that Jesus was dying, there were many a religious person who had given their lives over to very carefully keeping, at least as they interpreted it, the law and requirements of God day in and day out yet having no regard for who God really is and refusing to recognize his son when he showed up on the scene they, they had rejected God but they were very religious and Jesus tells us in no uncertain terms that those types of people on that day will hear the words depart from me I never knew you can't imagine but then there's this guy they don't know him he never went to a religious meeting he never learned any of that he simply perceived who Jesus was and in a matter of seconds said remember me when you come into your kingdom and there he is what right do you have to be here I'm with him 
seconds spent in prayer more valuable than a lifetime in vain pursuit of reward apart from a saving relationship with Christ. I cannot begin to convey to you how important it is to yield up yourself to Him and in prayer call upon Him. Call upon Jesus. He promises not to turn any away. And I believe that with all my heart because I'm standing here exhibit A one who should have been turned away. And still I'm amazed that I have not been. And how that, even though we are in Christ, having trusted in Him, have had imputed to us His perfect righteousness by virtue of that faith in Him, yet we continue to sin. And how the Father promises. If you will but confess your sin, I am faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. As we seek him in prayer and as we ask, he doesn't turn us away. This year could be a year of unprecedented spiritual growth for you. If you will but take advantage of this wonderful gift that God has given us. Wherein not only may we know him through his word as he reveals himself to us by grace but that we might have this relationship where we also are speaking to Him. Our Heavenly Father who loves us, He delights in you because of the one you're with. Remember, I'm with Him. And being with Him gains you access right to headquarters. Passing the line right up to the counter And he's glad you're there. May God bless you to know that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we praise you and we thank you for your gracious goodness and kindness to us. And we thank you that through your beloved son himself, you've instructed us in this most important matter. So, Lord, grant that we might be a people who are before you continually, pouring out our hearts before you in every confidence, knowing that you hear us, knowing that you have determined to answer and provide for us good things. And so, our Father, bless us to be a people of prayer who not only profess to believe, but in prayer, demonstrating that we believe. And so, we ask you to do a work among us beyond anything that I could possibly envision in this moment. May this word of yours continue to work deeply and profoundly within our hearts as we ask you, O Lord, to breathe on us. You are the one who breathed life into Adam. May the Holy Spirit himself, that breath, that life, continually infuse us with grace that we may be sanctified daily even as we are justified, declared righteous through faith in Christ. Holy Spirit, work in us. And so we pray, breathe on us, breath of God, fill us with life in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Join with me in singing that. That's our hymn as we stand together and conclude this service.
And so may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up unto you his countenance and give you his peace, both now and forevermore. And everyone said together. Amen.